0: Welcome to Global Entrepreneurship Week. Honored to be here. I'm Rob Richardson, your, your moderator with Disruption Now. With me is uh, Roz Asan with Bro Capital, Pam Davis with Hidden Spirits Cocktails, and my man Doug McCullough, the CIO of the city of Dublin. How are you all doing today? You all look great. great. All right. All right. Doing wonderful. Good. Today,
1: doing good. Appreciate it. How you doing? Yeah, good.
0: good. Well, look, we're here to talk about what it means to be a change agent. We have change agents here. You guys are you, I'm claiming the title. If you didn't think you were a change agent, now you are a change agent. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a change agent. Uh, you know, though that's that's a sexy term, people like to say that they're a change agent, that they're a leader. Truth be told, it's really hard to be a leader. It's even harder to be a change agent leader. And if you uh, factor on top of happen to be, happen to be black, it, it has other little complications that can come there. So it's, it's something that people like to aspire to be. But if you've had to do it, if you've been in leadership positions, which you all have, you know how challenging, how challenging it it can be. And um, and and the challenges that it it presents uh, on a day by day or organization by organization basis. Uh, So thinking about that, what do you think is the most important quality to have in a leader, particularly in a change leader? Anybody can take that.
2: Yeah, uh, I guess I can kick it off. So I think. For me, it's been resilience um, and patience. A okay. lot of times when you're trying to impact change, uh, you have to realize it's something that's not going to happen overnight. And so you're going to have some days that are really tough and you know it's going to be hard to get through. And then you're going to have other days that are maybe a little bit easier and you see the progress. and so You have to allow those progressive days to fuel those tough days because a lot of times you will want to just be like, why? (laughs) Why am I doing this? Yeah. Can you give me an
0: example of sometimes you you, you felt like that? I do think when people hear about uh, an example from a leader and they've seen that, okay, they've come through a stage where they were vulnerable, where they had a misstep. Like, can you think of something in, in specifically that might stand out in your mind? Like, when you thought about something, it was like you didn't, you were in that moment and you had to think about it for the long term because in that moment, it's just like, why, why am I doing this?
2: Yeah. So, lots of, lots of examples. Um, Cause I am like, I guess, owner, give you a little bit of background about me, owner and founder of a spirits company in Northeast Ohio. And one of the only, Black females in the nation with a liquor license and just going through the whole process was difficult. Um, Trying to find other people in the industry that are doing it. There's nobody that looks like me. And so, you know, you're one of the first. And so you're leaning on a lot of um, white men to kind of help you out and and kind of learn the ropes. And so as you're going through all of that, there's a lot of things that can be demotivating in terms of, you know, it's already hard being an entrepreneur in itself, because a lot of people don't understand that journey. It's a lot different than the corporate America journey. Yeah. And it gets very lonely. And then when you're the only person that looks like you on that journey, and then you have, you know, not just not just white men, but. Everybody asking you why are you doing this? What are you trying to create? You know, it's the spirits industry. So why do you want to be, you know, there's some people that think it's controversial. You're trying to kill your people and put bad things into the environment and things like that. So there's just a lot of challenges along the way. Um and not having always the support system, yeah. being a part of that lonely journey. You know, you have to motivate yourself and you have to try to surround yourself with other positive people and other people who are doing positive things in the community, um, who are building businesses, who are trying to stimulate the economy uh, and things like that. So it just it can be a very lonely road. And yeah. on that road, it just requires a lot of resilience and a lot of patience. And you have to be the change that you want to see. So, you know, I have four black daughters. And so, you know, I might be one of very few black women in this industry, but now I have four girls that I've raised that know that they could do the same thing, That's awesome. whether it's spirits or whether it's some other industry. Yeah. Right. So it's just opening that door and being the change that you want to see so that you can inspire the next generation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hear you. Um, when we talk, when people, uh, View entrepreneurship. I think it's viewed a very, very glorious and sexy right now. Not that it is. Not that it can be a great thing because it can be. But yeah. I, I think people view it from just seeing the rewards, just like oh okay, <laughs> or seeing the apparent awards. I should say because most people are fronting. If, we, if we're really honest, yeah. they're, they're, they're pretending yeah. about what, what's happening in entrepreneurship. They they talk about all oh, the proceeds and this. They rarely talk about the process. They rarely talk about the pain. And, awesome. and and it's real, and that's why you when you said it's a lonely process. Leadership in general is a lonely process, and entrepreneurship is is, is even lonelier because you have to build the team. Like there's not a team around you automatically; it's you building the team and figuring out and building that ecosystem. Uh, you know, uh, Ross thinking about that and and building an ecosystem. I know Bro Capital is, is is trying to do that. It's not trying to do it. You're doing that. You're not doing try. You have a you're built. You have the organization. You're building it. Uh, talk about the importance of building that ecosystem, particularly with entrepreneurs and really changing the mindset when it comes to black entrepreneurs. I know that, that's a lot of what you focus on.
1: Great, man. Uh certainly appreciate you having me here, Rob. Um, and that was a, a great segue from what uh, she was just explaining around, you know, you you really have to have that resilience and that compassion and, and really that uh, that fire within you to be able to communicate that to the members of your team, whether that be through actions or just through verbal communication. Um, And I think for Bro Capital, facilitating an environment to where collaboration is just germane to the culture is extremely important. Um, And and of course, project management, right? To where, Having goals but not being able to move those goals or being able to move the needle on those goals is important. And being able to have multiple teams cross-functionally working with each other to move an organizational goal forward is extremely important. So that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I've learned while building out this ecosystem is really creating systems so that people can be productive inside of them.
0: Yeah. So what is Bro Capital? Because I think people need to uh, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, what, what what is it? What What's your aim that you're trying to do? What are you trying to shape with, with, Bro uh, with
1: Bro Capital? Certainly. So Bro Capital is the world's first cooperatively owned and operated financial technology company specifically designed to increase black men's financial wellness, right? So what we are accomplishing is there's a chasm in between financial literacy and financial independence right both of them are rather nebulous concepts right of just uh, knowing information to actually live in that lifestyle right there's something in the middle that has to take place so that's where broke capital comes in and we offer a curated social community, and we're that place that aggregates all forms of capital for black men. So of course, financial capital is the one that we often think of, but you've got you know a bevy of forms of capital. Really, we move off the eight forms of capital model, including cultural capital, intellectual capital, spiritual capital, natural capital, so on and so forth, right? Um, and so we offer automated asset accumulation, right? Which is essentially automating your savings. But also beyond that, bringing and leveraging the savings of your peer group, right? So it's that cultural community, um, automated asset accumulation, as well as education and resources. So if you got some money in your pocket, you've got some knowledge and you've got some connections, now you're really cooking with oil and able to make some moves.
0: Right. I think that's good. I want to come back to that. There's a lot that you've just triggered in my brain that I want to have a discussion (laughs) with you as we talk about change. And I think you're talking internally, how does the black community itself not externally looking for change in a system. Not that we shouldn't, but what can we do to control to control the controllables, which is our internal community. But I want to get to that, and I want to get to that discussion. But I want to get to Doug because Doug, uh, you uniquely of everybody on the panel, uh, you're not an entrepreneur, but you're in a system that you've you, you've worked, I think, to help bring about change, uh, to have a perspective, to be inclusive. I, I, I don't know. I can. Tell, I don't know what the city of Dublin's relationship. Uh, you know, uh, their their general. You know, theme or 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 um, I should say, what word am I looking for? The reputation was before you. I can I can say with you, it is known to be an inclusive environment that's working to be innovative. And perhaps that was true before, but I only know it to be true because of you. Now I'll say, like, what 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 advice would you give to a change leader who is in an environment where it might be something new that they're that they're trying to introduce? or an environment that is that is resistant to change? Because people say they like change, but people uh, will hold on to the status quo, and the, the data shows this, even when it doesn't help them just because they're used to the status quo. How, 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 how did you do it? And how do you advise leaders that are seeking to change to go about uh, changing an environment that either is not used to change or is resistant to change?
3: Yeah, I appreciate that question. And, and you're absolutely right about people's attitudes towards change we all want change in other people and we do not want to change ourselves and when change arrives at our own doorstep we tend to be resistant and we just need to deal with that and i i am an entrepreneur and uh but i got a lot of stuff to catch up with you on rob so <laughs> in a, oh, okay. in a future, conversation, okay. That's future I, conversation i will tell we you about some that. of that okay that absolutely there is too much to be done out here for any of us to not be an entrepreneur and i hope that anyone who doesn't consider themselves one Make sure you're in. I'll phrase that right. No
0: matter what, you have an entrepreneurial mindset because you do because you think like an innovator and you do things. Uh, What I meant to say is you're you're in a more structured environment. You're a CIO of a large organization, which is a little different than. You're you're absolutely right.
3: You've named it correctly and everything. In addition to being the CIO of the city of Dublin, I am uh, a co-founder of an organization called Black Tech Columbus as well, which is not a business. It's a, a informal network of black technology professionals. Um, and in in those roles, I, I think of myself as an advocate and a thought leader in trying to push, whether it be for uh, the workforce and workforce development, economic development, those kinds of things. Um, we could talk about also whether or not uh, the city I work for was known as an inclusive environment beforehand as well. It, it, it's not something that cities typically do. Uh, they should. And we need to have our our public sector kind of doing that kind of thing but it had not been the case before the word i thought of when you started talking about change was authenticity um and i totally agree with the other panelists and what they've said about uh change whether it be resilience or also building systems as ross has said but um i'm bringing up authenticity because typically a lot of this change it, it involves people and multiple people and groups and organizing have to be a part of change and people can tell when you're inauthentic and they're not going to follow you or follow your ideas. And so I think part of the beginning of change and making it happen has to do with creating support and developing a narrative and picturing the end state that you're really going for and selling that narrative amongst all the people who are, and it really, really, and I, I feel like we're good at movement. That's what change requires, and it may be a very small movement, um, but I believe ultimately you have to build a movement and change hearts so that people can see the value in it and the advantages to themselves. And then, if we all align on our own advantages, then we can have collective advantages uh, like that. And I want to give a shout out also to Pam and being in the spirits business because I was in state government before state government. And I worked in the Department of Commerce, which she will know as the liquor database. And uh, the state of Ohio being in spirits in Ohio is different from being in spirits in other states because the state of Ohio is the only real licensed uh, organization to sell spirits. And so everybody else has to work with them. So um, hats off to you, Pam, for fighting that good fight. It is a very uh, hard industry to be in. And so I just want to shout out to you for that.
0: Doug, I have a follow up question to what, to what you just said. Then I want to go to Roz and then to Pam on some stuff. So being authentic, that's, that's advice I hear people say a lot and I don't disagree with you. Talk to people about like, well, but what does that mean? Like, how do, you, how do you how do you seek to be your authentic self? Sounds easy, but I don't consider a whole lot of people authentic. And, I, and people don't usually have the courage, I guess, or the know-how to be their authentic self. What does that mean and how practically do you go about developing that muscle if there is an ability to do that?
3: Yeah, it certainly is not easy at all. And uh, I believe that this is self-work and I don't hold myself up as the example of this is how you are authentic, but I practice every day. I get up and when I'm speaking to people and when I'm trying to be honest with people and trying to present my honest self, what I have learned is that Ultimately, usually if I'm struggling with it, it's because I'm not being honest with myself. And so really every day I need to think about when I advocate, uh, I sometimes advocate for black people and say, you know, this is what we need. But I'm not speaking authentically and I need to get right in my own heart and say, well, this is why I'm talking this way. And when I start thinking about my uncles who... uh, integrated the, uh, pipe fitters union in Detroit. They were the first African American men to, to do that. And I think about my grandfather, no easy task. We think of the unions in a certain way today, but in the fifties and sixties, it was not that way. Um, when I think about my grandfather who owned a dry cleaning business and, and struggled to build a better life for his children, I think about, I'm from Detroit, I think about people like that. And, and, That makes me feel more authentic, and I try to bring that to the fore. And it's kind of like you know, uh, a dog can smell fear. You know, they kind of know when you fear them. Uh, People can smell fear too. They can just smell it. They just feel it. And so, when you are authentic with yourself and bringing your real truth to the table, I feel like uh, uh, that's how you do it. But I again, it's something that I struggle with every day in every interaction with other people when I meet people and. You know, it, it's a practice. It, it's it's not ever anything you're ever really done with.
0: Yeah, you know, Roz, when I think about what you're trying to do, the goal, it seems, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is to continually build the community, but that uh, to, to work, to change the narrative, to change the direction. Uh, I'm sure you know this study. I can't remember the exact year. It might be 2050, uh, but uh, median black uh, wealth is projected to go to zero. And. Uh, if you dive down into that study it has a lot to do with the income of black men that that's almost almost exclusively so what you're doing is needed but it sounds like to what you're what you're doing is making sure that we're changing the narrative and building trust amongst the community but there's also if we're honest there's probably some distrust in the community and so how how do you use how do you open yourself to be vulnerable uh, to figure out how to change that narrative as a community, knowing that some might be resistant to it, not because it's not the right thing to do because it's different,
1: man, that's a great question. I wanted to uh really allude to what Pam was saying earlier around you know the qualities that are important to have one of those sure. things in conjunction with with resilience for sure is compassion, right because when you're trying to make change, you're working with a population oftentimes that may not even understand truly the value and the impact that you're trying to bring to them, right? And so, um,
0: I've had experience. I understand.
1: Yeah, I had, a, I've <laughs> had the same experience. You know what brother, I mean? It's, 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 you, your your stuff spoke to me, so I, I figured you'd understand the question exactly. <laughs> so, 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 like you say, man, just being um, being vulnerable, being transparent. Um, and also just being, like I say, compassionate, understanding that, you know, it's going to take time and people may not get it. Um, that's, that's pretty much the best I can say. And also having a, a, a core value structure, right? Your morals as we're building an institution, right? An institution is only as good as the people who are building it. What are your morals like? What are your ethics like? So for us, transparency and communication are extremely important. And creating an environment to where, again, you know, we have Harvard lawyers and battle rappers and school principals and construction workers, everybody come together with their own area of expertise to really, you know, work together. And as you mentioned, trust, that's extremely important, not only in finance, extremely important in finance, but, you know, in business in general. And so
0: if you think about it, Roz, not to interrupt you, but finance only works through trust. It only works through trust. People don't like people would think about money. Money, money only works because people trust it will. Money only exchanges because people trust that it, that will. it will. Exactly. And so, if you don't have trust, there's no. If, if if right now people didn't believe in the full faith and credit of the United States, everything would fall apart in the United States. It's on its way right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, knock on wood. Hopefully not. But go ahead, finish. <laughs> I'm not gonna go too far down that that rabbit hole, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, man. So, so yeah, having, having trust thats one of those double entendres when it comes to our business for sure, because, you know, you're talking about the financial trust and you're also talking about, right. The relationship level of trust. And so right. I'm, you know, going back to what Doug was saying, being your authentic self, right. Me showing up as who I truly am. Right. And like you said, people can smell that. And so when they come around and I'm really being me and it's like, okay. Right. Mary Williams says say it gives them the opportunity to share their light as well. And sometimes
0: people, and I want to get to Pam next, but sometimes people are intimidated by you being your authentic self. I can I can I can speak for me. Like so I I can say that I work to be authentic. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I I I work as much as I can and I'm not perfect. I've done things wrong. But generally I try to really be myself and and be transparent of who I am and what I'm seeking to do and why I'm doing it. And I think some people who are not that way are fearful of that, and sometimes fight back against you because of that. I'm not sure if you've seen that before, uh, but I'm curious if you have, how, how you've dealt with this. So hold on to that because I want to go to Pam real quick, and then we're going to come back to that. Pam, how do you deal with, you're in an industry, you've said it, that uh, doesn't see a lot of not only Black people, but Black women in the industry, period, right? Uh, how do you deal with navigating the... Uh, the, 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 feed, the, the, the feedback, the criticism, the stereotypes that come with that? And how do you make sure you don't absorb it to get imposter syndrome as you move forward?
2: Yeah, no, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a great question. And um, it, it does come back to a lot of what Doug and Raza said. The authenticity is, is key. Um, but I think authenticity comes with a level of self-awareness. Mm, I agree. So um, and that's that's what's hard for people. How do you define
0: self-awareness? What's your definition? So
2: just knowing yourself, because the reason it's, you know, the reason it it becomes difficult to show up as you every day is because sometimes people don't they're not even aware of who they are. They're so busy trying to mimic what they see out in society or what they think they should be or what their parents told them they should be. And so you have all these influences around you. And a lot of times we grow up mimipi- mim- mimicking those things yeah. instead of really trying to take a moment and figure out who we are, what motivates us, what makes us happy, what do we want out of life? And so when you don't know the answer, it's hard to show up being authentic to who you are. And so that's a journey that you have to go on for yourself. And you know, I've been blessed enough to go on that journey Mine started in a corporate career. And, you know, I remember when I started my corporate career, I would show up as, you know, whatever position I wanted to aspire to become. I wanted to be a vice president or a CIO, or, you know, I I wanted to be a part of the leadership team. And so I would look at the leaders that were up there, a lot of which did not look like me were white men and women. And so I thought that I had to act like that in order to get to those positions. And then over time, you just, you start to learn as you get more confident and comfortable in who you are and what you can produce as a human, you start to realize that, okay, the thing that makes most companies that are very successful special is the diversity. And that you bring that level of diversity if you do show up as yourself. Right. And so as you continue to get comfortable with that, as you continue to bring other leaders along with you and you start to mentor and do all of those things, then you start to truly develop who you are as a leader and you just hone in on those skills. You continue to educate yourself. You continue to you know, invest in yourself. And after a while, you get more and more comfortable at right. showing up at, as yourself until one day I think it just clicked. For me, it just clicked. Sure, Like I don't have to be that guy or that girl. I can just be Pam and Pam can be inappropriate or Pam can be super professional and polished. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's different um There's different parts of my personality, you know, and it's just like in your relationships. When I'm a mom, I'm a different person than when I'm a wife. I'm a different person than when I am a CEO or a founder, right? And so when you start to embrace all those pieces of who you are, then that allows you to start to show up as your authentic self and you get comfortable doing that. And then over time, if you're comfortable with that, other people start to become, comfortable
0: with that if I can I, I like to have a different point on that because I, I I believe you're correct what I what I believe is the challenge and I've gone through this personally and I and I'm sure a lot of black people I'm sure women have gone through this too and if you're in the wrong environment though it can reinforce bad things in your brain you know there, 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 there there's a study that was shown that um, the people you literally hang around your brain rewires itself to think like them. Even if you think you're not going to, eventually you will, like your mind will change and the synapses will change and you will be able to, you'll start forming thought patterns like the people around you. So what about the environment that you have around you? Because if you're in a corporate environment that doesn't, you can say they support, you can be this person that believes in yourself and all that, but you're in an environment where people are tearing you down It's harder. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying like what to make of the environment. Like, do you get to a point? Have you been in an environment like that? And what did you do about the situation in order to either cope or thrive?
2: Yeah, well, there's there's a saying and I'm probably going to screw it up. But it's like you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So I've heard that several times and I believe that to be true. And yeah, being a black person in America is hard. Right. So I mean, I, th- I think we learn how to deal with, you know, I grew up in the inner city of Detroit. That was hard. I grew up with drug dealers on my corner. That was hard, right? So you you learn how to deal with things that are hard, but you also, that's where I, I talked about the investing in yourself, yeah. and that's not just going out and taking a class, but that's also becoming aware about who you are spending your time with. And maybe you don't have that in your corporate environment, but you have to find that support system outside of that. You have to you have to become self-aware about who am I spending most of my time with? What are they putting into my spirit? And sometimes it's other people. Sometimes you have to go to other things like reading books, podcasts, being aware of what you yeah. listen to, what you watch on television, like all of that stuff influences us. And it's up to us in terms of what we put in our spirit. And then- what happens is you start to pump that positivity into your body, yeah. then if your corporate environment is bad, you're going to feel it every day. Yeah, you and are. you're going to be inspired to say, you know what, this isn't the right place for me. I need to pivot. I need to find a way out of this situation Yeah. because it just doesn't sit right with your spirit anymore.
0: Yeah. If you're dealing with the situation, this is what I advise people, because I believe everybody in some part of their journey is going to go through that. It's literally part of yep. the process of life. You got two. You got really. You really have two options. Uh, you can give voice to it and figure out how you make your make your voice heard, and figure out ways to take some corrective action for yourself and within the institution. And you do that, it may not work. The second one is to get a plan and exit right. And yeah. while you're in, while, and while you're in the process, really building. Uh, I think you really said it well. And, and what I want to really capture is that really make sure that you are guarding your spirit, your time, your essence, because all those things matter. And, you, and if you're in a corporate environment that you have to stay in, then you need to be really intentional. You should do this anyway. And I've learned this over the year. Be really intentional about who you spend time with because they will infect and affect you, period, in the discussion. So uh, if you want to be a change agent, you're not going to have the energy to do it mm-hmm. if all of your time is spent uh, with people that are emotionally draining you. Um, Doug, can I,
3: can I add something? Go, in go on on that? I was going to go to you next. No. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I, I just want to say because i believe in that i believe those are the two things that you really need to do and i think that pam is on the right track in describing that and that we are going to feel it and and so while you're going to be influenced by what you're surrounded by you will know you will know in your true center but i also want to say that we as a minority in this country need to recognize that come to terms with the fact that you know our numbers we're about a fifth of of the country uh Latinx people are are gonna be closer to the majority before black people are in this country. And so we're gonna be in the minority for a long time in America. And I feel like one of the opportunities that we may have is some of our energy and spirit is so strong that we need to take those five people or the the, the boardroom or whoever we're surrounded by and push that and, and maybe begin to change their minds. And maybe in our differences, and our diversity, begin to make them feel uncomfortable, you know, and begin to push so that because we're never going, you know what I mean? I mean, because we're never, I know you are, right. (laughs) We're never going to, I shouldn't say never, but it's unlikely that we're going to be in a situation where we are not surrounded by a majority. And so we're going to have to create spaces or recreate spaces that we find ourselves in. So when we find ourselves in an organization where we are the only African-American person, we shouldn't say, well, I'm very uncomfortable. I'm going to leave until I can find a majority black place. If you can find one, awesome, go do that. But we might have to change that organization from within and say, you guys are going to have to start talking more like I want to talk. Right. Because I'm going to need that. And I'm, 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 one out of 10 in this room. So I'm, I'm going to need every third Monday or something is going to be Doug's day. But we are going to change together and you're going to come around my way a little bit. I'm not just going to come towards you. Yeah. You are actually going to do some changing towards me. That's a level of bravery, I think, and
1: risk that I, we need to start having that conversation.
0: Completely really agree.
1: And if I may add on to that, which is, you know, everybody is totally speaking the truth i also want to just add the converse to that that you know in that corporate environment you might get fired it happens Mm -hmm. you know what i mean And, and so i've i've definitely experienced that to where i've been in the corporate environment and i'm attempting to hold on to my sense of self right but of course there's some there's some clash there and so you know at the end of the day i had to choose me right so uh you know that's totally a possibility too so and that's okay.
0: No, I, I, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Like we, you don't want to hold on to a a job. Um, and I know people have to eat, but you have to develop a. Here's what you should do: develop a skill set, develop as many relationships as you can, and I promise you'll be able to figure a way out. Like that. that that's how I looked at everything. Like I have a similar situation too. And I, I if you don't know my background, I, I I am a lawyer, but I don't like. That's not the part I like. Like I don't like being a lawyer. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, I, I became a lawyer to understand the law to learn how to change it, but then I got sidetracked and went corporate law and it just it wasn't Rob Richardson. That doesn't fit me. Like it, it the paycheck was good. So I will be very honest. I looked at it initially, like maybe I can learn to like it. And no, it wasn't a good fit. Uh it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with my personal mission. Like that's not, I'm not criticizing people that do it. That I can't be fulfilled doing that. And so I mean, not not only could I not be the change agent I want, I it wasn't a good fit for what I'm passionate about. Like it's just and so you have to you have to figure that out because especially being an entrepreneur, it's it's if you're not, you have to work hard, the process is hard. And if you don't enjoy what you're aiming towards, I'm not saying you're going to enjoy every day because that's not true. There's going to be a lot of days you don't enjoy. But if you don't enjoy the journey that you're heading towards, it's it's going to be miserable for you, no matter how much money you make. (laughs) So you know I, I tell people to find a problem that you care about, seek to solve it. And you know, obviously, you'll figure out ways to make money, but that's how the, thats how the money will will come. You have to figure, figure out a problem and become. I think it was the um, uh, head of Google startups, Jewelberg Solomon, who says this. He says, "You you fall in love with the problem, and you'll find the right solution. People try to fall in love with the solution that they think is right, and they get lost in the process and and, and lose sight of the actual problem. And that's how businesses and people fail. So." Uh, Speaking of a problem arise uh, that people are trying to solve, you know, back to you. When we talk about trying to change, I think our mindset, and I'm talking about the black community with with money and, and how we think about it, uh, that is a, a, a task because you know a lot of the constructs and things that the narratives that have been put out there. So how do we go about? We have the, we're we're building the trust, but how do we go about? I would say. Uh, trying to get better financial habits as a people in terms of making that a process like this is a because you know habits as you know become automatic but they they come over time like what's the process to doing that and i want to then i'm gonna go to 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 both pam and doug to talk about building institutional habits
1: habits. okay um i think the overarching umbrella term here is culture right so if we look at the larger culture particularly if we we take a glance at hip-hop um, I tell people that the sixth element of hip hop is actually entrepreneurship. And so hip hop is starting to put that into the music. The culture is starting to talk more about land ownership, stocks, equity, and that's starting to become a little bit more sexy, right? So that's that's one piece of it that I think, you know, is a sign that we're moving in the right direction. Um, the next piece from a more micro perspective, which kind of ties back to Bro Capital, and our model of financial wellness so therefore us there are four components of financial wellness right the first is are you able to take care of your basic needs right food clothing shelter right okay you got that taken care of nice are you able to handle a thousand dollar emergency right okay you got that taken together do you have some capital on hand to take advantage of investment opportunities as they present themselves right okay you got that taken care of now going back to what uh, Pam was saying what Doug was harping on, you, you as well, Rob, is that final component, that fourth and final component that the financial services industry has overlooked is your two closest acquaintances and their ability to take care of their basic needs, $1,000 right. emergency, and invest at will. If you've got that together, then that's how we know that, okay, you're on your way to achieving that financial freedom. And so, it's not just you being well, right? It's the people around you being well also because if you got sick people around you, you won't be yeah. well for long, right? And so yeah. even, you know, thinking about it uh, from a behavioral economics perspective, if you're attempting to lose weight, right? What do you do? You go to an exercise class or you get a gym right. buddy, right? There's that level of accountability, but there's also that level of Shared destiny. I don't want to let the group down. Right. I'll let myself down, but I'm not going to let the group down. Right. So with Bro Capital, us coming together really just from a barbershop type of vibe. Right. To where we can share ideas, be transparent, be vulnerable, uh, share information. But then at the same time, right, there comes that project management facilitation. Right, right. So actually, you're
0: actually helping to answer my question. And I want to just dive a little into that, and then go to others because you 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 make a good point, right? This is comparing this to because it's very similar to getting in shape, losing, losing weight. And that's a shift in mentality. And what it does, what you often have to do is get rid of habits that you're not aware of, like, okay, all of a sudden you know, at three o'clock, I get up to go get some Cheetos every day. And it's a habit that's because and we don't know what the trigger is. It's something you got to figure out what the trigger is and figure out a way. Uh, one of the best books I've ever read is called The Power of Habit. And and this the this statement, this statement stays with me. He said, you can't actually replace, you can't, you can't actually get rid of bad habits. You can only replace them with good ones, right? So like, it's like, so how, so like, I guess, how do we get people into the mindset of understanding? Do you guys get into the mindset of making people understand how they how the bad decisions financially are triggered and how you can understand that to move forward as a community. Does my, my question make sense? Oh, oh, so,
1: somewhat um, around, like you say, getting people to kind of take a look at what their behavior is and what are they doing Correct. and kind of redirecting them. Not so much. I think it's really more through, through osmosis, that we do that right, where we put you okay. in the group and people are sharing information about stuff.
0: You, 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 you kind of do do it in a way. You do it through the AA way, right? Right. Right. What they did is they did to break people out of the habit. They build the community, but they also have a set of values to make people understand. So you, you, it's,
1: you kind of relate and did. function yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. You pretty much got it. Yep.
0: But what about okay, uh, Doug? Like, how do you look at building? Uh, an, an institution in a culture that is open to being innovative, that's open to change? Like, how do you create that institutional DNA if it's not initially there? We kind of said that earlier, but I kind of want to dive into it. Like, what do you recommend to really make it an institutional, kind of you create institutional habits within the organization to be inclusive, to be open to change?
3: Yeah, you know, I think we need to do foundational work and we need to have deeper conversations and take our time to actually build on that. And I appreciate what Ross is saying, especially when he says barbershop, because we all know what that means. We know that you've got time, you got an hour just to kick yeah. it with people and just, and just do foundational conversations. And what uh, was brought to my mind is you're talking about mindset and habits um, is, you know, because we come from a situation of oppression and because we are part of the specifically the American system of success or definitions of success we're immersed in it um, what I think we're really talking about is ownership and when you're talking about capital I appreciate Ross also for talking about these different kinds of capital um, we we sometimes have an allergy to that ownership we see it coming if you do everything right the way Ross is talking about or the what Pam the path that Pam is following and you start a business and you you pay off your house and you buy a second house and all of a sudden you're in the real estate business. Or if you fix cars real well and you got three of them, you're a used car salesman and, and you, you're you now an owner. And we divorce ourselves as a community from that person. And we think that they have done something foreign or something has, has been done wrong. Yeah. And I, I really hope that you guys are, are picking up on what I'm saying. We suddenly that person is no longer a part of yeah, the community. Yeah, I, I do completely. And, and yep, and and that's foundational. We had a community at, at one point, uh, and we've had it several times in our history in this country, in which we gathered together and said, we're going to build this, we're going to own that, we're going to do this collectively, but we're going to do this individually, and we're going to celebrate those successes. Um, and it wasn't just the American community. Uh, Immersion of what that definition of success was. We've got to get back to that. So I really hope we. I'm going to explore more Ross's concepts of the uh, the eight different kinds of capital, and I would include social capital in that. And again, if the people around you are doing are not doing well, then you're not doing absolutely. (laughs) If your two closest neighbors or two closest friends are are suffering, you are also suffering. And so we need to have a different community definition of of winning that includes you know if that person did pay off that property and now bought the land next door they're doing it right how can we help them and at the same time you know support what they're doing and and maintain them as part of this community as opposed to othering them and saying well you're off on your own now i don't know what you're doing
0: a big part of what you're saying too is looking at our relationship as a black community with money. Because it, it you're, 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 you're definitely right about that in terms of ownership and saying like, oh, that's something foreign to us. No, 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 it's not. And then when it actually happens to, I do think because it's still usually new, um, there's not that talk about generational and the passing of the wealth. Mm-hmm. So you look at, you know, God rest his soul, Chadwick Bozeman, right? He literally knew he was dying, and had a wife and had a kid, and then there was no will or trust. And, and, and this is this is not unusual for the community. Like this is something that usually happens because we don't like to have the conversation about talking about money and death, but death is going to happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, you're, and so we, there has to be this, because what happens is if that business or whatever goes away, then we've just lost that opportunity for generational wealth to help not only your family, but the community too. And I've seen that happen a lot in our community, and I think we have to have a different conversation about finances, wealth, and everything else, and about how we're really going to change the trajectory. And and part of it is, like you said, changing the whole narrative and changing the whole relationship with money and with ownership. You know, Pam, can you talk about what you know you you might have, have actually experienced in this conversation in terms of taking ownership, being a black woman? And the challenges you might have had internally and how you've tried to change the narrative and change the conversations?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, just, yeah, as I answer that question, I wanna kind of piggyback on one thing that Doug said and Roz. It comes to education, right? We're not educated about how money works. And we also have to realize the system is not necessarily set up for us to win. It is easier for me to go out and literally buy a Bugatti tomorrow than it is for me to get a small business loan. Mm. And I know that firsthand because I have tried to get small business loans and I can go out and buy a brand new $100,000 Mercedes truck and be in and out of the dealership in a couple hours. And it took months, four or five months for me to get of my first small business loan, which was less than half of the cash capital that I had in my bank account to fund my business. Wow. And so the system is not set up per se for us to win. They may it's easier to acquire debt than it is to build a that, That's because they're
0: comfortable with you being a consumer, but not an owner, clearly.
2: Exactly. And that's where, you know, businesses like Roz's business, where we're trying to educate our people about what it means to build generational wealth. And and again, it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier is being the change that you want to see, but it, it come it starts with education. And a lot of times we're just not educated. I wasn't educated. You know, I thought OK, I you know, I've, I have a good job. I have a 401k. I have money in my savings account. I have a 700 plus credit score. I can go buy a house after house after house, car after car. I should be able to get a small business loan like this. No, sir. No. Like, it was just not. And whoa, so whoa, whoa, the system whoa. is not set yeah, like, up. Like,
0: like, wait, what, what you do you, what do you think like, you're, like, doing you're doing like, over, you're over awesome there? Stuff. Yeah. You trying to own something? Like, who do you think you are? Like, oh, yeah, you
2: want to you build. And then on top of that, like, oh, oh, you want to build a spirits business in Northeast Ohio? Well, let us we take the here? Rolodex and see how many people <laughs> have done that that look like you. Oh, zero. Okay. You're not going to be successful because then you don't fit the profile. Right. I don't look like Mark Zuckerberg. So I can't build a multi-billion dollar business. Right. And and that's what you're up against. And so it it starts with education. and, And like I said, it starts with somebody taking that first step. And then again, going back to surrounding ourselves with other people, there are so many people in this industry and I learned, I've learned. i probably learned this year alone with everything that's happened in 2020, as crazy as it's been, I didn't even realize how many black spirits businesses were out there, but because it became, you know, I'll say more popular or we decided to take a day to buy black, right? Right, right. Everybody started calling me. Everybody started putting out lists like, oh, support black business, do this. And, you know, I was excited about the movement, but then part of me was like, I've been black this whole time. <laughs> like,
0: like, what like, changed? Be, what it changed? needs to be institutionalized. <laughs> well,
2: in why us. are we doing it on this random Tuesday? Right. Like, I've been black
0: since. Right. Because it should be an uh, institutional cultural habit to support exactly. each other. And we're not there yet, but we are at, I hope this moment, this is certainly a critical juncture in a moment in time where we can... Figure out a way to organize internally that we that we are more conscious of how to go about doing this in the future. Because Pam, I think it's key, and uh, and just very quickly, this is what we're you know disruption. Now we're building a, we're building a platform to do just that, and we're going to do crowd investing to help more of us invest in us because we don't have. To, here's the good thing: there's enough people with enough money where we can invest in each other. We've seen that we've had some successful uh, raises. I know we've had we've had uh, Don Dixon on the show who's done crowd investing. I think Angela Mm -hmm. no, they didn't get money traditionally. So crowd investing, we we can have a crowd investing platform that is geared towards us. We can invest more in us than we should. So, you know, I definitely want to work with you guys on that. We we expect to roll out early next year. But we have to really look at how we we have to uh, we have to both change the system, we have to still challenge it. And we also have to challenge ourselves internally to not accept the constructs and the narratives that are put forward. Because if we're honest, we do a lot and we have to we have to reject it. We like, why is it I mean, it's not only it's not only white people that 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 feel that way about a black woman owning the spirit business. My guess is there's a lot of black people that either say it, uh they they'll say it explicitly or they'll think it implicitly, but either way it's something we have to figure out how to throw out completely because it, it's it's really holding us back. So I I do think I commend you for all of you for what you're doing to be change agents. As we finish up, I want to have I want to ask one last question. When you're when you're looking at being a change agent and you're changing minds, concepts, communities, it's a long term game. So with that, how do you measure success? Anybody can start, Rods. We'll start with you.
1: Sure, um, man. So that's that's a, that's a great question for us, Bro. Capital. We're not your average startup, right? Because most startups are looking to sell off within five ten years, right? We came into the game understanding that we are an institution, and we're going to be here for at least a hundred years, right? To pass on to our children and their children. Um, but how do we measure our success as we're on that road to hundred, right? I would say that we measure it based upon how many people we're impacting along the way. So with our model, we've had bros who were able to, you know, put a down payment on their first home where, you know, the money that they were saving up, they were able to draw from that. Or we've had bros who lost their jobs and were able to use their nest egg or bros who, you know, had a expand in their family, new child on the way. So you know, and interviewing these bros and learning about these different scenarios to where these would have been insurmountable hurdles had they not been tied in and plugged in with what pro capital is doing. So um, again, man, just, you know, measuring how people are being affected by what you're doing as you're going along will give you, you know, insights into are you going in the right direction? And if you are, then just keep following that North Star, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, Pam.
2: Yeah, no, how we measure success is our ability to give back within a community, our ability to create jobs um, within the different communities that we're impacting. Uh, Because we are a spirits business, you know, there's some stigma that comes along with that. But at the end of the day, um, as a people, we probably spend more in this market than anybody else. So I want to be able to take our funds and then turn around and reinvest it back into the things that got me to where I am. You know, I grew up in math and engineering. So we have an outreach program that gives back to young girls going through STEM courses, um, which is science, technology, engineering and math.
0: Remind me, I got to introduce you to Whitney Gaskins if you don't know her, but go ahead.
2: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just our, again, just being that change, letting people see that, but then continuing to funnel jobs and money back into our community to build up that next generation of leaders. That's how we measure success. So every year as we try to hit certain milestones in terms of revenue, in terms of distribution, in terms of getting the product out there, we also take a percentage of that and put it back into the community and bring it on the next group of young leaders and change agents in the world.
3: All right, Doug. I have very similar measures of success as as both of you. I will say that I'm highly concerned with digital wellness. So each individual who can gain the advantages of technology and use that to make a better life for themselves. And I will add uh, using technology to get into technology as a career field uh, people, there are real solid incomes that are there. And none of these measures of success let go of profit or, or those kinds of things, I believe, because each individual who becomes self-sustaining and capable of participating in the economy is good for all of our businesses. I have come at this from an economic development standpoint, both working with a city, with the region in central Ohio, and with the state of Ohio, that the next great frontier of economic development won't be in getting a headquarters to come to your community. It will be in seeding a number of businesses. That's where the jobs are going to come from and the incomes and the home ownership and the dropping crime and the better education and the college and the scholarships. All of that is going to come from the businesses that are going to be founded in the communities where they've been redlined against for all this time. So, and just one more plug for Pam, all those of us out there who are trying to give her a hard time for bringing spirits as a business into our community. We are clearly enjoying spirits. <laughs> Why not enjoy them? Why not own that company, right? I mean, clearly. Oh, so yeah. I am your advocate, Pam. I, I've I got am too. And I will be buying part. some now that I know about <laughs> yes. you.
0: So it's good. Yeah. I have you back on the podcast too. Uh, individually, we'll talk about it. And uh, I'm proud of all the work that. All three of you are doing. Look forward to us working together more. I want to thank you all for listening and tuning in. I'm Rob Richardson with Disruption Now. You can visit me at disruptionnow.com. where We like to disrupt common narratives and constructs to empower black and brown communities. I appreciate all of you being on and this is a great session.
1: Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.